Hey everyone, welcome to episode 76 of You Heard It Here Second. New episodes are released every week on DerekandSteve.com and on iTunes as well. So just search for Derek and Steve or You Heard It Here Second and make sure to subscribe today. The Doritos Locos Taco, Derek, are you listening? Mm-hmm. It changed the world. It did. It changed the world. It did. Derek and Steve present. We can openly say, I don't like Nazis. I agree with that. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, I don't like white supremacists. I don't either. Yeah. They're not going to damage our reputation very much. We could have tweeted it. We're going to lose a couple yeah. Nazi listeners, <laughs> which is tough, but they can go to hell. Are we eclipse chasers now? <laughs> I'm not sure I want to commit to that. Okay. <laughs> we can head over to Steve Nicholas One on Twitter. <laughs> this Twitter Steve got Nich- seven likes. Boom. You heard it here second. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 76 of You Heard Here Second. I am Derek alongside Steve. Steve, what's going on? What's going on? Not much, Derek. We've had a super busy week. Super busy week. We've got a lot so much of stuff to talk about. Um, yeah. So we'll jump right into it. So first uh, on the agenda, we've got our college football preview uh, with our college football expert, Rob Raimundo. Uh, then we have a separate sports section, when we, which we also have a lot of stuff going on there. And then pop culture, which will basically just be Game of Thrones season finale yeah. recap. And man, plenty to talk plenty about. Plenty to talk about. So, so I say we jump right into it. What I do you say think? we jump right in. Without further ado, let's bring on Rob. All right. And now we bring on Rob Raimundo, our college football expert for our first college football segment of the year. Rob, how's it going? It's going great. I'm excited to be back. Almost as excited as I am about the return of college football. Yeah, it's the best time of the year. All the football is back. Absolutely. So, um, so Rob is uh, Steve and my roommate. As we know, we had some technical difficulties. So Rob is actually in the house, but the technologically, call, the call is coming from inside the house. Yeah, it's like horror movie stuff. Um, but so Rob's in the other room. So uh, we're gonna kind of let <laughs> Rob uh, handle the format of this thing. You know, so yeah. he's the um, expert. So he's Rob, the expert. So you are the expert. Tell us what you're thinking. We yeah. know a tiny bit about college football, not a ton, but we want to hear your thoughts here. So how about this? We'll we'll quick quickly hit top twenty-five or so. Then we'll talk a little bit about the ACC and then talk about what everyone is excited to hear. BC football. Does that sound good to you guys? That sounds great to I me. I love that idea. And, All right. And, and, so and I want some SEC hate here. I want it. Oh, I need it. Just if you're not strapped in, strap <laughs> yourself in. There's some hot takes coming. <laughs> if there's some people are going to be upset. If this if Feinbaum gets wind of this, we're going to get some angry calls from people in Alabama. Let's put it that way. Like that. Um, all right. So started off number one team in the country. Alabama lost in the national championship game last year. Um, pretty much the same story with them as usual. Everyone on their teams. Awesome five-star recruit. Saban's a great coach. Um, the defense is going to be great. You're not going to be able to run the ball on them. You know, same old story. Only thing, only weakness I see with them is their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, cannot throw the football. Hmm. Phenomenal runner. Very average passer. I saw some stats say he threw like 40% of his passes or some like astronomically high number behind the line of scrimmage last year. And like – he was a fre- true freshman, so whatever. But at some point, he's going to have to throw the ball downfield to beat like a couple of these other teams in the playoff or whatever. And I don't think he could do it. I think he stinks right. throwing the football. <laughs> All right. Jalen Hurts stinks. Heard it here stinks first. Throwing the, throwing the football. Great throwing the football. runner. Stinky passer. All right. <laughs> uh, 
Number two in the country, Ohio State. It's really, really good team, top to bottom. The quarterback, JT Barrett, four-year starter. He's like top two or three in basically every conceivable quarterback statistic at Ohio State. A lot of fans think at the end of the day he's probably the best quarterback to ever play there, which given their history is a pretty impressive statement. Um, again, strong team, top to bottom. They'll be really good. They play in a tough division in the Big Ten. You know, they have to beat Michigan and Penn State, who are also both really good. Um, but, you know, they have tons of athletes recruit really well. I personally am a huge Urban Meyer fan. I think he's the best coach in college football. If I had to pick one coach to win a game and Steve Adazio wasn't an option, <laughs> I'd take Urban Meyer over Nick Saban in a second and don't even think twice about it. <laughs> Love it. Number three team in the country, the Nicholas family favorite, Florida State Seminoles. Go Noles, baby. I sneaky think they're the best team in the country. Let's and go. people aren't giving them enough credit. Their quarterback, DeAndre Francois, is legit. He's probably the second or third best quarterback in the country behind Sam Darnold, USC, and Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. Um, he was super impressive last year as a freshman, so he's only going to be getting better. They, you know, they have a ton of talent. I think the thing people are overlooking, if this is even possible with this team, is how good their secondary is. Yeah. Um, Tavares McFadden's returning first-team All-American He's phenomenal lockdown corner. And then Derwin James, who was hurt all of last year, plays just kind of like all over the place in, this, in linebacker or secondary, and he's unbelievable. He's probably the best player in college football. If you look at the preseason list, he's number one on basically all of like the big ones. So I think Florida State's not getting enough credit for just how good they are. Love that take, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> my num- they're, they're my number one team. I think they're going to beat Bama. Oh, they play Bama open the year. I think they're going to beat Bama. Um, and again, as I said earlier, I don't think Hurts is good enough to beat them throwing the football. And I think it. he's going to have to do that at some point in that game. And Franz, I think Francois is way better than him, and I think that um, tilts the tide. I USC, number four team in the country. Everyone knows about them. Sam Darnold, returning quarterback, is very good. Uh, probably the best quarterback in the country. He'll probably be off the board first five picks in the NFL draft this year. He's super impressive. A shaky year last year. They got blown out by Bama to start the season um, and lost a couple games. But once they did Darnold at quarterback, they really turned the corner. And I think they'll carry that momentum through and be a really strong team. Clemson's coming in at five. Defending national champions. Lost a ton on offense. Lost to Sean Watson, who is unbelievable. Turned in probably one of the best single-game performances I've ever seen to win that national championship game last year. Pretty reminiscent of the Vince Young, uh, USC Rose Bowl type performance where he really put that team on his back. So question marks there on offense. How do you replace him? How do you replace some of the talent they had at the skill positions as well? They had some really good guys. But they, again, kind of the same story with other teams that we've talked about. Recruit super well, really strong coaching. So And their defense is very good. So they should be able to plug the holes there. And if they get decent quarterback play, could make another run at things. Love, I love Dabo too. I think Dabo yeah. is – I mean, obviously he's one of the better coaches in NCAA football, but he's also a person who I would put in, like, if you needed to win a game, he's such a motivator. I could I could feel him yeah. pushing and, a bad and, team. And he, to he, still showed be really that. Good. he showed that last year in the national championship. All you have to do for me as a college football coach for me to love you is care about your players. <laughs> like, realize, like, realize that, like, just actually care about them in any way. And Dabo is the number one guy in that category. Like, he would die for, like, guys on his team as their coach. Yeah. I just love him. Yeah. He's the man. Good dude. Uh, Penn State comes in at number six. 
Saquon Barkley's starting running back is unbelievable. He's super good. Um, apparently, he got faster in the offseason while like also getting bigger, which doesn't make sense. So maybe he's doping. Also heard that here first. But <laughs> um, he's, he's very good. Um, they're a strong team top to bottom. I do think their quarterback is overrated. Um, he's been kind of showing up on like all these like preseason, like Heisman watch, top 10 list, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, he literally is just bad Johnny Manziel without <laughs> Mike Evans to bail him out when he throws the football deep. Like, he just like scrambles around and chucks bombs. Like he had a game last year. They played Ohio State, toughest team they play all year, and he completed 35% of his passes. Hmm. Like – you're not a top 10 player in the country if you're doing that. Yeah. So get out of here. <laughs> Oklahoma, big waves in the offseason. Longtime head coach Bob Stoops retired, uh, replaced by their off, his offensive coordinator, Lincoln Riley. He's now calling, going from calling the plays to running the whole show. And I think he might be now the youngest coach or one of the youngest coaches in college football, which is pretty crazy when you consider he's coaching a team like Oklahoma that has such a storied history. Um. Their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, has been around now for a few years. Probably the most exciting quarterback in college football. Um, he's always fun to watch. Oklahoma will be really good, per usual. Um, kind of your standard Oklahoma team. Bob Stoops sort of had a reputation for being a regular season coach and kind of always choking when it mattered, either down the stretch or in bowl games. Um, he won some early on in his career, and his nickname was Big Game Bob. Then that kind of became a running joke towards the end. So interested to see the impact of the new coach there, or that kind of puts them over the hump. Um, it's been a while since they've threatened for a national championship, despite being super talented every year, or if kind of losing the continuity with Stoops sort of sets them back a little bit. Right. Can, um, we, can we start calling you Big Pod Rob or Big Pod Bob? Big, yeah, I like it. Let's Big Pod let's do Bob. It. Um, I, I think we could start doing that. <laughs> so the next, the next couple of teams, like the eight through eight through 11 teams, um, are kind of all the same tier. I think of teams, like I look at them and none of them are super like distinguished from the other teams. So Washington, uh, graduated, they lost in the playoff last year to Alabama, lose some guys in the secondary, but they have a lot of talent to backfill quarterbacks back, um, well-coached team. Chris Peterson is their coach, one of the better coaches in college football. And they have a lot of momentum after last year. And I think, especially a program like that, where they have such a strong history of being successful, I think once you get that little bit of momentum, you get the fans bought back in, the players think Washington football's back. I think they'll be another good team this year. Wisconsin, I honestly like, every Wisconsin team to me is the same team. Like, (laughs) I'm pretty is like playing like has the same exact team that like we watched when we were in middle school like every year it's just the same exact team it's like every offensive lineman 6'9 330 pounds they have some like pretty good running back who's going to be terrible in the nfl but like is somehow <laughs> unbelievable in college and then just a bunch of like nameless guys on defense who just play like really sound football yeah like it makes no sense but it's been the same team for 15 years and they're always pretty good so yeah, there you have it. Cool. <laughs> um, Oklahoma State, to me, if you're going to watch one team this year and could only watch one team, I think they're your guys. Love Mike Gundy, head coach. Kind of falls into the uh, the Dabo Sweeney, I just want you to care about your players category. Guys rocking an incredible mullet right now. <laughs> and they bring back their starting quarterback and starting receiver from last year. Um, 
their names off the top of my head right now I can't think of, but they both could have been early draft picks and decided to come back for one more run at things. So Oklahoma State's never is a team that's never struggled for points, especially playing in the Big 12. I think this year they'll have one of the most dynamic offenses in college football and be a really, really exciting team to watch. Um, you know, if you're looking for a team, if you're not a huge college football fan, just looking for a fun team to follow this year, those are your guys. Um, right. Tune into the Pokes. Okay, stay. <laughs> Michigan graduated a ton of starters. I think it was like 17 or something like that. A lot of other senior leadership. Um, and I have no idea who their quarterback is. Like, I think it's like they just don't have anyone good. I think it's like Spate, the guy who returns from last year, but like he was kind of dumpy. So like if Uh-oh. good Uh-oh. and like if it's not him, then I don't have any faith in their backups because they couldn't displace a guy who wasn't good. <laughs> so Harbaugh's been crushing it recruiting. He's obviously again like common trend here. All the good, all the consistently good teams have really good coaches. One of the better coaches again in college football. So they'll be fine, but. I think the quarterback plays a big question mark there and not good enough um, for them to get to the national, to get to the playoff. I think they could, and again, same thing we said earlier with Ohio state and Penn state, they're in the same division. So it's tough. I think they could easily go out and beat either of those teams, but throwing those squads that you worry about the whole slog of a college football season, are they able to make it through? Right. Auburn finally looks to have a competent quarterback. They have Jared Stedham um, transferred from Baylor who was really, really good there, but just wasn't getting playing time, so switched over. He should be able to run the offense. He's a little bit bigger um, than your typical Gus Malzahn. You you know, you kind of think of their, like, more of, like, smaller, faster guys, or at least guys, I should say, at least guys who could run, because um, obviously Cam was a big dude, but he could run the ball. I don't know if Stenham's what he could do running, but he's supposed to be a really good passer. Um it was good, and he was at Baylor, so should be a new look for the offense, and that's kind of always been the thing that's held them back recently. Uh, most SEC teams have always been strong on the defensive side of the football, so things might get turned around there. LSU, same story as always. Defense will be unbelievable, produce a ton of NFL talent. Do they have anyone on offense who could do anything competent, um, at least from a quarterbacking standpoint? They're starting running back Darius Juice. Um Last, In my opinion, last name Juice? Juice, G-U-I-C-E. I actually think it's pronounced differently than that, but I can't confirm. He, I think, is better than Leonard Fournette. I honestly think he should have played over him last year. I think he's incredible, runs the football really hard, super athletic, makes guys miss, but is also really tough to bring down, hard runner between the tackles. But again, it's kind of the same thing, like, you know, they could have all the running back talent and the best defense in the world, but if teams can put 10 guys in the box, it's not going to matter. Right. Um, also, love Coach O as a person. think he's an overrated head coach, and I'm kind of out on that hire. To me, he was classic football guy. We're afraid to take risks higher. Um, he's never done it as a head coach anywhere. I don't, I don't think it makes sense, but hey, give him a second chance. See what he does. Uh, Stanford has already played football. Played Rice this yeah. weekend. Stanford. While everyone's watching the fight, I watch Stanford Rice on my cell phone. (laughs) Stanford looks really good. Um, They're starting running back. Bryce Love is very, very, very good. Um, And again, you know, they're always a good team. Super disciplined, exactly what you expect from Stanford nerd school. Their guys are smart. They don't make mistakes. So 
Um, they'll be a strong team and a team to watch out in the Pac-12 to challenge for the title. Then, Wait, Rob, some people are calling Stanford the Boston College of the West. What, what do you think about that? Wow. I think that's a little bit of an insult to BC, to be honest. Whoa. <laughs> you know, I, you like know I, I, don't see, I don't see how they match up. Also, are they selling beers in their stadium? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, probably not. They, if they did, no one buy them because they're all nerds. There you go. Then um, finally, round out the top 15 here. You have University of Georgia, uh, Kirby Smart coach team, uh, former assistant Alabama. So they'll be really strong on the defensive side of the football. They bring back a bunch of talent in the backfield. And I also think their quarterback, um, who was a true freshman last year, is a really strong player. So I think their offense should be able to do some damage this year, um, along with having a good defense. So I think they'll be a solid team in the SEC. So they probably would be like the fifth best team in the ACC, um, if that. So that's it. Round out the top 15. Um, I don't know. What are you guys' well, thoughts? Rob, I mean, the f- two, two questions, and hopefully you have your answers for them. That was a good rundown of, of the teams that uh, most likely matter this year in college football. One, who's your champion? And two, who's your Heisman winner? Champion? All right, let me give you my playoff. Here's right. my playoff. I got Bama, FSU, USC, and Oklahoma in no Ooh. particular order. Um, I think the teams in the Big Ten end up cannibalizing each other. The Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan group end up all beating each other up and taking away a shot at the playoff. Um, and then, so I think the other four power conferences are going to produce the team that gets there. Cool. My champion is, I I said this earlier, I think Florida State Let's go, is Rob. the best in the country. <laughs> Let's um, go. It might be a little bit of SEC bias here of anti-SEC, maybe a little ACC homerism. But I just look at FSU's team, and for me, the quarterback play they have is – there's very few teams in the country that match that quarterback play. Coincidentally, the other two are in this playoff, USC and Oklahoma. So I look at that quarterback play, and for me, it's kind of the first thing that checks the boxers. They're going to be able to get points against anyone – because Francois is very good. And they're always well-coached team. Jimbo handles the offense. Offense is always good. But then you pair that with the talent they have on the defensive side of the football, especially in the secondary. I just think that's a team that's going to be so tough to beat in those two phases of the game. And that I I like them as my national championship pick. Love um, that. All right. I love that. Heisman winner, that's tough. I think it's going to be a guy from one of those playoff teams, unless someone – has just a spectacular year that we don't really know about. I don't think Lamar is going to repeat. I think he had a tough end of the season last year, especially in the bowl game. So I think a lot of the voters are kind of like, wish they hadn't voted for him, which kind of stinks in hindsight. I think there are a few people who watched Deshaun's play in the national championship game and kind of regretted not giving him their vote. So I would be shocked if Lamar repeats just because people have a little fatigue there. And his numbers last year were absolutely absurd. Like He's not going to yeah. put those numbers up again. And that's not a knock on him. It was just his season last year was yeah. unbelievable. So Heisman winner, I think I think it's going to be Darnold. I really do. Um, huh. He has all the recognition going into the season. And you're a quarterback at USC. That's, what, that's like the marquee spot in college football. Yeah. Great flow, too. He has great hair. Yeah, great hair. 
And, like, he's, like, super quiet and, like, doesn't, like, talk to the media because he's kind of, like, awkward and, like, just wants to, like, study his playbook and is, like, really, like, soft-spoken. And I think people are going to end up, like, loving that. He's just, like, like, all the, like, old, like, super, like, lame guys who, like, vote for the Heisman are going to, like, love that he's, like, not flashy and, like, team first and just, like, wants to, like, not celebrate touchdowns and acts like he's been there and, like, uh, all that. He's, like, the whole pack for, like, all the like old timey like college football purists, and he's really good. Yeah. So he's he's my guy there. It's a good combo. Cool. So if you're gonna win the Heisman. Uh, well, I got one trivia question for you, Rob. Yeah, let's hear it. There's only four coaches active who've won the national championship in college football. Can you name them quickly? Who are active? Yep. There's only four active coaches who've won really? a national championship game. Isn't that a weird stat? That is a really yeah. Weird stat. Yeah. So much for parity. Uh, Saban, Urban. I just had the uh, Dabo and Jimbo. Yeah. There you go. Only four. Isn't that weird? Because um, Stoops just retired. Yeah. Stoops retired, yeah. 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 So, and, and so less, much for parody, uh, huh? Less Miles, right? Yeah, and Les Miles, yeah, and who is no too. longer there. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Alrighty, so let's move on then to the latter part of it, which is the ACC breakdown a little bit, and then maybe some Boston College talk. So, uh, yeah, won't spend too long. But what's your what are your thoughts on the ACC outlook this year? And then you can kind of cap it off with uh, what you're what you're seeing from BC. Best conference in college football once again. And hands down. Uh, yeah. Hands down. No question. Currently currently have five teams in the top 25. In the other division, um, we've already talked about Division B season. Other division, Virginia Tech, Miami would both be really good. I think the story to watch there is, is this the year Miami finally makes it to the conference title game? They have not made it since moving to the ACC, which is a pretty surprising wow. fact yeah. when you hear it. You're like, wow, how is that possible? But then you remember they kind of had some shaky years in there. Um so it'll be interesting to see that, you know, BC per usual, top schedule or in the toughest division. Also, my big take here is NC State is not good. Is it every offseason, every single – it's like college football writers literally have, like, five stock, like, stories to write about teams in the offseason <laughs> yeah. or just, like, in general. And every year, one of them is – does is this the year NC State makes the leap to be good? First of all, NC State's never good. Like <laughs> people act like NC State at some point in their history was like a consistent top fifteen like program. Like they've never consistently been anything other than like a middle of the road college football team. And every year was like, oh, you know, this is the year NC State makes the jump and really gets back to things. It's like gets back to what like <laughs> like they're like their best seasons like they went like 10 and 2 or something in like 1980 <laughs> so we're NC out on states, out on yeah. nc state nc state's whack that's that's what i'm gonna say um <laughs> yeah that's what that's all i got acc's really good though <laughs> besides that they would still be a really good team in another conference right but i'm just sick of hearing about the hype well give us give us the boston college's chances what are we what do you think how does BC fit into that ACC puzzle? I think – so do you want my season prediction or do you just want all my general BC thoughts? So so a couple weeks ago we went through the schedule game by game. So give your season prediction, general thoughts, and then cap it off with your season prediction as far as record and kind of where we end okay. up. First thought, touched on this earlier, we can do beers in the stadium now. Huge, so huge. that's – Something. Home field advantage amplified. Yeah. Yep. Get, come, come play a night game in alumni – it's not. It's gonna be rocking. Um, there might be thirty thousand fans there now. So hold on to your butts. Uh, 
So I'm really interested to see who wins the quarterback battle. I think it's going to be Anthony Brown. I think at the end of the day, they're going to opt for the more dynamic player. I'm hoping that we've sort of learned from the mistakes of the of like Patrick Towles, where like if the two guys are tied and we think like we can't really decide who's better, play the guy who's younger and we know is going to be in the system for a few more years, yeah. so we could get him as you know a junior or senior who's seen a lot of snaps that being said i want wade deep down a win because he's been through a lot and i feel bad for him on the injuries and i think he should have played over towels last year i think that was bs so i want wade to win the job just because he's stuck by the program and been through a lot but i think at the end of the day they go with brown just because he's a little bit more athletic and a little bit more dynamic and it gives Daz his favorite excuse which is he's really young it's his first season yeah. really it's That's like true. a court like you know whatever that's like his favorite thing in the world is to blame youth and inexperience. So like he's just going to want the built-in excuse for when he loses a game doing something stupid. He's going to yell, throw his quarterback under the bus. Yeah. Um, point. I think the offensive line should be better. Those guys have a ton of experience now. And I have to think that guys who have been starting since their freshman year are going to be better as juniors. Um, and last year they made some improvements. They were definitely better than they were as freshmen. So hopefully we see that trend continue. And I think if the offensive line is solidified, I think we finally have enough skill position players to actually be somewhat threatening. Um, tight end Tommy Sweeney is really good if we could actually get him out in in the passing game, not just as a blocker. Um, he had some big touchdowns for us last year. We finally have a couple of receivers back who are established a little bit. I think Jeff Smith's really athletic. Michael Walker's really athletic. Charlie Callanan also it's a big body who makes you know some tough catches. That being said, just need way more consistency from this group, especially when you look at Smith and Walker. They're two really dynamic guys who are fast players in a fast conference and can really make things happen with the football in their hands, but they just drop way too many passes, and yeah. that needs to be better. And you're a wide receiver. Your job is to catch the football. Yeah. Like you, need, you need to catch the football. Like I don't care if you're Jeff Smith running a 4-3-40. Like, if you're not catching the ball, you're not doing anything for us. Yeah. One thing to watch with the wide receivers is Kobe White's redshirt freshman. Talk out of camp is that he's been unbelievable. Just the complete opposite of the other guys. Just catches everything thrown his way. Will go up and win, you know, jump balls with with cornerbacks. and It's really dynamic. And that's kind of a guy, too, we've been missing as someone who just consistently yeah. be a playmaker in the passing game. So even if he's not going to be burning guys, if we have a guy who could just go up – just go up and snag the ball. That's huge. Yeah. And then running back, everyone knows the deal there. John Hillman's very good. Looked tough at times last year. I think he was still a little bit shaky coming off that injury. I think apparently he's looked way better and way more confident cutting and practice um, this summer. A.J. Dillon was the Michigan recruit that we flipped at the last minute. And apparently he's a big guy who can fly and has also been super impressive in camp. So, I think this is the year. I know I say this every year. I think this is the year the offense comes together. Um, I'm not really going to touch on the defense. They're going to be great. I think Harold Landry, you know, is one of the best defensive linemen in college football. Really excited he came back and hope everything works out for him. Um, I hope he has a huge year and just like solidifies himself as a top 20 draft pick. So that being said, my tentative prediction is eight and four. Eight right. and four. Eight and four. I'll take that. Eight and four. I think we lose to the top tier of the conference, so Florida State, Clemson, Virginia Tech, and Louisville. But I think those games are much closer than we were last year. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we could sneak one, maybe one, 
Um, but I think we beat everyone else. I personally also, I think Notre Dame stinks. They went four and eight last year. Just like cannot stop anyone on defense. Notre Dame this off season had the other two, had two of the other classic like college football lazy preseason storylines, which is their backup quarterback, their new starting quarterback, who's their third string quarterback, is like the savior of the program and like going to be like all world this year. Like, dude, you couldn't beat out Malik Zaire to start, who is terrible, and now I'm supposed to believe you're the be- you're the best quarterback in the world because you're the starter for Notre Dame. Like, get out of here. That's awful. And they also had the hired a new strength coach offseason story. And then, like, every report you get at practice in the offseason is just, like, how much better this guy is and how conditioned, like, how well conditioned all the players are. Like, oh, it's made a huge difference. Like, fourth quarter this year, like, you're really going to see the difference from the last strength coach. So they they had both of those storylines fired up this year. Um, I also think that Notre Dame's going to stink. So I I support that. They, like, weren't good and, like, lost. And, like, I think they bring back, like, 15 starters, which is, like, a decent amount. But, like, they were terrible. They, like, lost to Navy. <laughs> like, they're not good. Yeah, that's a bad program. Brian Kelly's, Kelly's going to get fired. It's going to be awesome. Brian Kelly's a terrible person. He does not care about his players. Hey, that's at true. All. Not was, at all. Not at all. He's yelling at them on the sideline. But, like, not, like, a yelling, like, you should be doing better. Like, an aggressive, like, swearing at them. It's uncomfortable to watch sometimes. Yeah. And just for, the, just for the record, Rob and I over the weekend um, queried the most pessimistic BC football fan on the planet, whose name is Zach Rokos. Oh, yeah. And he penned BC for four wins this year. Oh. So that is the bottom bar of, like, we are guaranteed at least four wins because he gave them four wins. Oh, yeah. So we got to get four. Any game that Zach Rokos says BC will win, they are guaranteed to win because he is – the ultimate pessimist. So, well, that's good. So there you yeah. go. There's the baseline, and Rob's got him at four and eight. And Rob is known as quite the BC optimist, but I think four and eight is is doable. Eight and four. Uh, sorry, eight and four. Eight four and eight's definitely doable. Yeah. Four and eight's definitely doable. I mean, yeah, it's it's eight and four, sneaky nine and three, maybe eleven and one if we get hot. <laughs> <laughs> maybe twelve and zero, turn it into fifteen and zero, yeah. national champions. Maybe. Listen, I, I'm not gonna go that far and say we're gonna go fifteen zero. But I will tell you right now, we are in the hunt for the national championship. Oh yeah, everyone. I mean, but especially us. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's yeah, in the hunt. But we're we're definitely up in, there. In the hunt. In, Fifteen and zero is in play. <laughs> Friday night, it's game week. Tune in in DeKalb, Illinois, taking on Northern Illinois. I'm excited to get the season started. Absolutely. Fifteen and zero starts. It. Hey, here's the thing: you can't go fifteen zero if you don't go one zero first. So tune in Friday night. Watch, watch the Boston College Eagles take care of business. Absolute fact. Love it. All righty. So, Rob, thank you so much for the college football preview. We're actually going to keep Rob on here for the rest of the episode. Uh, Rob will feel free to chime in when he wants uh, as we go through these other couple of sports topics and then Game of Thrones breakdown from the season finale. So, uh, Rob, thanks for the college football breakdown. And now we're going to move on to sports. Alrighty, so we're into sports. We are into sports, Derek. This is. I'll let you. So we're gonna be quick. We're gonna be sports. quick, but we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's three main topics. Well, no, there's really two main topics. Two main topics. Yeah, we're not gonna touch on NFL football much today because we we have another episode before that season opens. Yes. So, so the biggest topic for us, and particularly you, is the potential now potential <laughs> that, yeah. uh, Celtics 
Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, so, so this doesn't feel super recent, but this happened Tuesday night last week. So it was the day that we released our podcast. So it's been it's brutal been a, timing. It's been a week, for, but brutal we, timing we, for the pod. We missed it just barely. So brutal timing for the pod. But the Celtics pulled off what stunned everybody. I think there's no discussion of this leading up to it, really, of it being any credibility. But they traded Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Anthony Zizic, and a in the Brooklyn first round pick for 2018 or 2018. Uh, to Cleveland for Kyrie Irving. So just a stunning trade. Um, the Celtics finally part ways with that Brooklyn pick. Steve and my bet goes by yeah. the wayside after three years. We've lot. talked about it multiple times on the podcast. Very unfortunate. That we bet each other who would be on the Celtics longer, Isaiah Thomas or Jay Crowder, and it's now a wash. Um, so all of that said, now it's potentially in limbo as Cleveland has come back and said that they're concerned with Isaiah Thomas's hip after he takes the physical and they're seeking more compensation from Boston. Are you concerned about the hip? I am. Oh, the hip, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely concerned about the hip. And, and uh, you know, the Celtics can't have this trade collapse on them. I mean, they can't because n- now, A, with Isaiah's hip, B, with Isaiah's feeling of betrayal, Jay Crowder's feeling of betrayal, the same go- applies to Cleveland, I think, to a little bit lesser extent because they already knew Kyrie wasn't happy yeah. there. And they have him next year no matter and what. They have him ne- yeah, exactly. And, and they he's have not all, injured. And they have all year to try to trade him again. They do. Yeah. Um, so all of that is true. And so for that reason, yes, uh, Cleveland can put a scare into Boston by threatening to void this trade. At the same time, um, there it's widely believed they will get nothing close to this return from anyone else in the league. I mean, no one else has that to offer for well, Kyrie. Look, we were talking about, look what Paul, look what the Pacers got for Paul George. Yeah. If anything, I don't yeah. even remember what they got. It was, uh, they, uh, Oladipo, right? It was Oladipo. Uh, I guess, and, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Oladipo and someone else, uh, Sabonis, I think. Yeah. So it's like, that's a pretty mediocre return. I mean, I know some people like those players, but they're kind of believed to be a little overpaid and like, they're not transcendent players by any means. Cleveland's getting, what might be a top five pick in a loaded draft next year on top of Isaiah Thomas, who, yeah, he has a hip injury, but unless people think this is some kind of career threatening hip injury, they could still have Isaiah Thomas to, to resign, you know, and, and pair with the top five pick or LeBron James, if you can convince him to stay. So, yeah. Um, plus Jay Crowder, who's a versatile guy on a good contract. So I think all things considered, it will be pretty difficult for Cleveland to get an equivalent return around the league. Uh, that's the feeling for most people anyway. Um, are you happy with this as a Celtics fan? Are you okay with this trade? I am okay with the trade. Um, I think that the Celtics kind of shocked everybody with that. I think it was a case of, um, I think that Ainge had a feeling that Isaiah was either going to ask for too much money or he's concerned about the hip. And I think throwing in the Brooklyn pick, um, was and this this sort of brings me back to I think the Brooklyn pick was included because of Isaiah's hip, because Cleveland the, the biggest so put it this way the biggest thing that bothered me about the trade aside from how much I love Isaiah you know felt Celtics fans fell in love with Isaiah and it's emotionally tough to trade yeah. away a guy like that but ignoring that for a second and looking at just the value of the trade my my only gripe with it was that I felt that Cleveland had no leverage in this whole situation because Kyrie publicly basically said he wanted to be traded. There was reports that they had been gauging the trade market for weeks. They weren't getting anything. And then the Celtics come in with this massive offer. Um, And so for me, that was the only thing I was upset about. That led me to believe it's because of his hip that they included that Brooklyn Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a possible play just to get more assets. Um, Like, what would the next asset be? Just another pick? Like a third or fourth round? So, yeah. Something stupid like that. Let's jump right into that. The the Cavs are 
uh, the report is that the Cavs are going to ask for Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Yikes. Which is which is laughable. I mean, That's Danny Ainge is not going to yeah. do that. And and to be honest, it's kind of a bad – in my opinion, I'm obviously biased. It's kind of a bad look for the Cavs to come out and say that you're going to now ask for, like, clearly two of the Celtics' best young assets. Like, I mean, it, it, it comes across more blatantly you, as an extortion attempt. Can you swap, like – Something from this trade? They could renegotiate the trade, certainly. Okay. Um, so so the, the, the actual technicals of it is that they have till Wednesday to, to approve or void the trade based on Thomas's physical. Um, like, they ha- like, the way it actually kind of works is they technically haven't passed or failed his physical yet. Like, yeah. he took the physical. Well, what's the actual – so the deadline is that it Wednesday. falls apart. But then, yeah. like, what's the repercussions? Can't they just – They could rework a new rework trade. Rework the trade um, again. Yeah. And, and so most people believe that, that when it comes to Isaiah versus Kyrie – it's not in much danger of happening. Like Kyrie's not going back to Cleveland. Isaiah's not going back to Boston. Like most people feel that's the case. Um, but if the trade gets avoided, now both sides are going to continue to play hardball with each other, and they neither of them want this to fall through. You know, Cleveland doesn't want to have to go try to now trade Kyrie to someone else. They yes. want that Brooklyn pick, and they want a healthy Isaiah Thomas, right? So <laughs> it's it's all just kind of a weird, a it's weird, weird scenario because. By the time by the time this is out tomorrow, th- it may have it been may approved. have yeah. It, it this could at been. any moment because Wednesday's deadline. So at any moment tomorrow, they could stop playing hardball and say, "Fine, we're in." To me, I, there's no way that Danny Ainge is going to give them more than a low first round pick. I, I think if Ainge decides that Isaiah's hip is a concern enough that he feels like Cleveland might actually void the trade, he might throw in a low first like their own first round pick that would be potentially in the twenties or something. Yeah, he's definitely not including a high pick or certainly not one of his young players. So, so I, I think, just to wrap this conversation up, I think that the Cavs, I think it's a good trade for both. And and Rob, you, you also um, thought this too, I think, when we were talking about it, but both teams are get what they need, yeah. and it's not a bad trade for either team. Mm-hmm. But I think the Cavs shouldn't have gotten that much I agree. from return. So in terms of like individually in a vacuum, it's a good trade if you just compare the players. But the market did not. The market didn't demand the Cavs getting that much return for Kyrie Irving. So I think that the Cavs technically won based on yeah. that, if you have to declare one a winner and one not. Yeah. So, yeah, Rob, do you want to add anything on that? No, I think I agree with Steve said. Yeah, and just um, – yep, go ahead. No, it's, it's, it's like interesting that – You've seen other guys who like clearly indicated they didn't want to be on their te- on that team anymore, and people got like nothing for them in return. Exactly, and the Cavs were able to you know flip Kyrie for a lot for yeah big return. And um, the last thing I'll say about it is that um, the the flip side I guess is that for years and years well for not years and years but for about two or three years now the critics on Danny Ainge have just been like, oh, when are you going to trade yeah. the picks? When are you going to trade the picks? When are you going to make a trade for a star? Like, when are you going to pair someone with your other stars? And granted, he did trade one of his stars here, but at the same time, like, you know, if Ainge felt this was the move and he just had to, he had to make the play and go for it, then it, it, you kind of have to, that's just the way it's going to go, you know? <laughs> Everything so. going all right in there, Rob? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So, ultimately, I think it was, um, yes, they overpaid. I do think they did. I think they overpaid. But um, eventually, Ainge had to make the move, and I think he finally decided to. Okay. So. And like we said, but by the time you're listening to this, 
could be some, cited. Something but... could have happened and right. most likely will because right. we do not break news here. <laughs> no, not you, at all. This is definitely you heard it here a second. All righty. So moving on to the next topic, uh, last topic in sports, Mayweather versus, versus McGregor. The fight. Uh, like, let's do like three or four minutes on this topic. Okay, time me. Um, so $100. Do round. Do round. One boxing round. Yeah. I don't have the ding up, but um, <laughs> one boxing round on this. So Mayweather versus McGregor. Uh, Mayweather, huge. Should we talk favorite, about it like obviously. boxing, just jabs? <laughs> sure, yeah. Go ahead. And then, then land a haymaker. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't have a haymaker. Here's my plan, jab. But, yeah. Better than I thought. But definitely better than I thought. I think. Uh, I thought there was a time. I thought there was a period of time. I thought McGregor had a chance to win, which I did not expect at all. Um, Ma- yes, McGregor fought way better. Well, I don't know actual much about no, boxing, so I. he may have been getting his butt whooped. But to the. <laughs> Untrained eye, it looked like he, at least for the first couple rounds, knew what he was doing and was doing it well. Yeah, and, and I think not only the untrained eye looks at like stuff like this is like almost street fighting. Like who's 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 beating the crap out of the other guy <laughs> yeah. more? But we've also now learned that the untrained eye doesn't work with Mayweather. So like we, yes. I, I was aware of that watching this. So I think even more so, it's a little bit impressive for McGregor because I knew that I had to be watching for like, okay, is he actually winning or does it just look like he's winning? And it felt like he actually was winning for yeah. for a couple rounds. Um, Another thing I'll say is that basically before the fight, I said, and most people said, if McGregor has any chance, he's got to knock out Floyd, right? I mean, yeah. I think it's like yeah. there's no chance he could win a decision. And he was on track to win a decision through, through like, I mean, obviously only three rounds, yeah. but he was actually technically winning the fight. Did a you bit. see Mayweather like re- denying water and like he wasn't yeah. sweating? Yeah. He yeah. literally is just so good. I mean, in at- hindsight, it's like annoying. He's so how- composed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like in hindsight, it's annoying how you get to the ninth round and all of a sudden Mayweather starts throwing, and you're yeah. like, yeah, he he literally oh, yeah. wasn't trying. You're like, oh, he's way like, better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and you could just tell McGregor was was. I mean, that's gassed. that's the way you have to if you want to just have a safety win is let the guy who at maximum is in the ring for 25 minutes yeah. or so. Yeah. It, yeah, I think they only do twelve, like five. Twenty-five in a rounds. championship fight in in UFC, it'd be twenty-five full minutes. If it goes the distance in a title fight, which it never minutes, does, which There's always he's done once in his career, yeah. one time in his career, he went twenty-five minutes. So in hindsight, he's basically just literally having him have a whole fight and then beating him after he was, like his. I mean, his but the tenth time. round, tenth round is thirty minutes of boxing. That's that's a beyond what he's done in his career, and b double what most of the fights in his career have been yeah so that's also where it got bad like ninth round right you're talking about the 24 plus minute mark at that point yeah that's that's when things it's right bad yeah it's right when he got wobbly and like all of a sudden there was literally a a snap of a finger moment when it's like wow he's like about to get knocked out like it looked like he was doing doing fine like he was sort of starting to lose a little bit but he was still he was still completely coherent. He started completely, to get punched in the face. Yeah, yeah. And, and like there was yeah. a moment when it's like, wow, okay, he's gonna get knocked out right now. Like it wasn't even like a build up to it. It was like there was a point yeah. in the ninth round. It was like, boom, uh, he's gonna get knocked out. So, yeah. um, so I I actually kind of respected what he said. I, I hated Conor McGregor and I hate Floyd Mayweather. I, I respect them both for in, individually as yeah. their as athletes, but. Conor McGregor after the fight, obviously they loved each other after the fight. Yeah. They were hugging and yeah. saying thank you. Yeah. Like they, you just <laughs> like, you believe this. how much money we <laughs> yeah, spent on like laughing. Yeah. Um, but he said uh, the the thing is, did they stop the fight early? That's yeah. the big question. Not that it would have mattered because yeah. he, he was going to go down at some point. But yeah. Conor McGregor first thing he said was, I was I was getting my butt whooped, but let the let the man knock me down and and I'll wobble back to my corner. And, yeah. and you know he like said let him knock me down. Mm-hmm. Like that's boxing. 
Yeah. You're gonna stop the fight just I'm getting punched in the face. Like I'm an MMA. Yeah. People literally choke me out, <laughs> and I have to tap on the ground before I submit, or or I can pass out. Yeah. yeah. Like and you're not gonna yeah. let me. You're not gonna let me get knocked out, or at least knocked down. Yeah. So it's I, like. Yeah. Go ahead. It's, Rob. it's funny they stopped the fight, right? Because it's like they stopped the fight under the guise of safety, but like boxing there's you're punching each other in the face like yeah. there's safety to begin with yeah so like you have the argument it's like yeah they probably should stop the fight because he was about to get clocked yeah, they should have stopped the fight if, if it was about safety mcgregor versus mayweather they should have stopped it before the fight <laughs> round one yeah, give, him, give him sock and boppers and throw him in like a bouncy castle yeah if you care about safety yeah yeah, like, a, I'm not watching boxing for safety. <laughs> yeah, it's true. A, a part of me wonders whether, with a referee making a decision like that, if any part of it had to do with how many times McGregor broke the rules previously. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, like the, the ref was getting pretty, pretty damn sick of, of Conor McGregor. Yeah. And, and it wasn't exactly McGregor's fault because it's so it was so clearly instinct. But like, it was I weird mean, how how often Mayweather turned away from him and Mayweather turned his back to turned him, his back to him a duck a oh bunch and like. McGregor and I kind of felt like him too. He's like, "How do I?" I'm yeah, just, I just have he to didn't put my know hand, what to do. I just like, have to put my hands up when he does that. Like yeah. I can't swing yeah. around him or whatever. Like, there was he, actually one point one of the announcers said, like, actually talking bad to Floyd, saying like, "He, you can't do that. Like, you can't turn around and duck. Like, like Floyd's not allowed to do that either." That was one particular time he did it blatantly. Yeah. But you're right. Like it did seem like Mayweather sort of knew that McGregor was going to do stuff like that, and he was ducking like right in front of him and inviting him to hammer fist him in the head. Yeah. You know. Um. So. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, long story short, I think it was uh, – I felt satisfied with Me it. Me too. Um, you know, most – a lot of these fights, the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight being the biggest example, you feel completely unsatisfied with having bought it and watched it. Yeah. Um, I'm still not going to buy boxing fights. Like, I'm only going to watch these huge ones that everyone in the world is watching. But I was satisfied with that. Yeah. Rob, you satisfied? Too? Yeah. I, I'm i not a boxing guy. I've, <laughs> I've realized that. I. It's not my thing, but – if I was satisfied, yeah. Yeah. If everyone's gonna watch it, whatever. If we're gonna I'm watch gonna... if we're gonna watch one fight every four years, yeah, I, I can do that, that. I'm happy. I'm happy with that if that's the context of it. So yeah. um yeah. especially if you could stream Stanford Rice at the same time. Other better than college football. So Exactly. Exactly. So um that wraps up sports. Anything else you want to add? Uh I'm good on sports. I mean the the US Open kicks off today. By the time you're listening to this, um, Sharapova and Simona Halep will have finished their match. It's going on Monday night. Um, this is Sharapova's big return. She, she was suspended for about, uh, I think it was f- six, may, four or six majors. Um, and she's finally back. She got a wild card draw, so she's playing the number two seed. It, this is honestly could be a finals match, and it's a first rounder. So wow. uh, Maria's Steve. winning right now. I love Maria Sharapova. Is that what you're, you're going to say? I was going to say, how many Steve Nicholases playing against Maria Sharapova <laughs> do we need to put on the court for you to get a win? Uh, so am I winning a game or winning a full set or a match? Uh, you, you can handle that however you want. All right. <laughs> to win a match, there would need to be four Steve Nicholases. Four. Two at the net, two at the baseline. <laughs> And they'd be very – are, are you playing singles lines or doubles lines? I'm playing – I have to hit into singles. That's only fair, right? Yeah. If she's playing four of me. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to play her being able to hit a doubles line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, no, but I could definitely beat her with four of me floating around the court. A <laughs> lot of hustle, a lot of heart on that court. Yeah. You know, the Steves work really well together. I know that. 
Um, so yeah, I think we a lot a lot of good communication. I think we could do it. All right, there you go. Four Steve Nicholases would beat Maria Sharapova in the and tennis match. We get to like four Steve Nicholases acting separate tennis players, or like are we all like four of me, like four times my strength, or four times my tennis ability? Uh, they're just what? I don't understand. They're four. They're, there's four distinct Steves. Okay. <laughs> Is one is oh, one of them no. is one of them allowed to go on the shul- the other shoulders at the net and the other two play the back? That's uh, a good question. That's yes. a good question. Yes. One of them is evil though. It's like oh. a bunch of clones. There's always an evil. Yeah, one. you have one evil. One. Okay. An evil Steve. So three good Steves and one evil Steve. Okay. Still yeah. win. Still win. We'd still win. Okay, yeah. Cool. The evil cool. Steve would whoop it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Awesome. So that brings us into pop culture, which is Game of Thrones and pretty much only Game of Thrones. Ooh. So spoilers now coming. You need other culture. You don't yeah. need any other culture. No such thing as other pop culture. <laughs> um, so spoilers coming. Check the episode description for when to skip to. It's basically going to skip to the final drive if you don't want to hear spoilers from the Game of Thrones season seven finale. Okay. So let's kick it off. Let's start. Where do we want to start? Should we? Um, let's. I want to start with the most divisive topic. Okay. <laughs> let's do it then. What the heck is the dragon? All right, we can't spend too long on this. Yeah, That's the well, preface. <laughs> what the heck is the dragon, <laughs> the dead dragon breathing? Because last time when it happened, I made some joke <laughs> thinking that it would never happen. That <laughs> they're like, oh, it's either ice or fire. I was like, no, it's going to be, it's going to be blue fire, and it's going to be hot, and and they're like, well, that's just blue blue regular fire. So we're like, okay, it's going to be cold then. It's going to be cold fire. I don't know, and it turns out. It may be any of the a combination of yeah. Those. So we didn't get a definitive answer. W- there is one thing we got definitively. It's definitely not ice. It's definitely not. So he's ice. not breathing ice. It's but, not ice. But at the yeah. same time, I don't know if maybe now that I'm thinking about it, like how would you even breathe ice? You know, it's I like, don't know. How do you like, breathe fire? Super. You would like, breathe super cold breath. Right. That well, freezes things. So so I don't, I don't think, think we've ruled breathe. out that that's what that was. Yeah, because they're, yeah, like they're not like ice sitting. There's not like ice sitting in his stomach. Right. Right. So I guess he could breathe. Like, you know, he water. he wouldn't breathe like solid ice. But if so, what we saw like, is a fire-like substance. It was definitely flames. It was flames. But it was flames. Yeah, it was flames. It was like a flamethrower type. Yeah. Flames. So, like all right, puffy. So, so, so it looked like they just had the CGI from the other dragons, but it did, just like clicked. Blue. It did kind of look like. That. <laughs> yeah. So 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 basically, you mentioned this is divisive. I think you're in the middle. Honestly, I don't stand too divisively, but I'll give my stance. I know Rob has the opposite stance. So here's what I'm thinking. So I don't believe definitively that it is like ice or to, or completely frozen substance or something like that. What I think is that it's not just it's not hot fire that's just <laughs> like blue, you know. So so I don't think it's just like a dragon, but it's but it's blue fire instead of regular fire. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What everyone can probably agree is it's some type of magic in it as well. There's some type of I dark, would assume dark there's magic. Some, there's a lot of magic. There. I'm there's, there's some magic. Some there magic too. Yeah. Um. That's but fair. you know, just when I watch that scene. It didn't strike me as it being fire the way that I that I would expect a dragon to 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 burn. It definitely the wall. didn't strike me as so. The, it's weird because it, it was powerful. Yeah, it, it was. It the, had impact. The, it was almost like it might as well have actually been shooting like a laser beam. Yeah, like yeah, it yes, doesn't. Yeah, precisely. Like it yes. doesn't. Like it doesn't actually <laughs> matter what temperature it is because it's the power the, behind it that's doing the it work. It seemed temperature agnostic. <laughs> yes, but now I need to know what it right, actually is. Right. Because it's you gotta you know, know that, that was reminds what it, me of what is that? It's like a Pokemon attack. Yes, it like was. reminds me of like a a plat like whatever like a hyper beam. <laughs> yeah, or something. <laughs> it's just like Gyarados, through this Gyarados. wall. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so So Derek, you obviously made the point that nothing catches on fire. Nothing catches on fire. But which it, but, may, I, but which, ice wouldn't. I yeah. I, which may or may not mean so that there's two sides to that that it's not fire at all. Well, yeah. Or that it's not hot. <laughs> so Well, <laughs> But, but, you but the can't thing really... is, all fire is hot, as far as we know. So that's the problem. So that's the other argument. But, but like, so is, but it, so you'd have to suspend your disbelief. Obviously, it's a, a fire. It's a de- undead dragon breathing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but so the the yeah, like like you said, um, I I would have expected in like that aerial shot at the end that something would be on fire, even if it was on blue fire. You know, something yeah. would be lit on fire. Nothing was. By the flip side of that, like you guys have pointed out, like how would you destroy the wall with something breathing cold? You know. I don't know, like, like extreme cold could make things super, super brittle, but you would need to then like, like crack it or like, like have force to break it. So like, I think the wall shouldn't have gone down that easily. I agree. I'm gonna. Th- <laughs> <laughs> so this thing, whatever it is, is extremely powerful, and I, I need to know a definitive answer. Yeah. What, what was is- their alternative if they didn't? Great get a question. dragon that, to take the wall down. Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> my point too. It seems like a bad play by the. They were like, just were they just the wall? were the the undead soldiers just gonna try to climb the wall? <laughs> like like, it's so yeah. That that's a very valid point. It, and I will say just as a little side note, and, and like I think this will tie into a few other things. That's another one of those things. It feels like since they strayed from the book, we might have mentioned this before. Yeah. There are more things now There's that holes. just fall into place. It's yeah. like oh, this conveniently fell into place. You yeah. know. That happens more as it outran the book because the book was very meticulously yes. plot points were connected very meticulously. It's oh, a little yeah. bit a little bit less so since now, they outran. Yeah, not like that it's what, not that it's that bad. Like but just you talking about that made me remember like, oh, you're on Greyjoy shows up. They take their like the the other Greyjoys take the entire fleet. And he's like, you know what? Build me one. Yeah, and they yeah. build them the biggest, <laughs> best, ba- most badass fleet in yeah. the history of all Westeros. <laughs> In like a matter of however, yeah, <laughs> ten days. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was like it was literally ten days. And the guy had like the U.S. Navy. Yeah, and he was like shooting yeah, fireballs. Sure aircraft carrier in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it was so things like that. There's just a lot of like oh, so you know what Cersei needs? She needs a huge fleet. So yeah, so let's give her one. Let's give her yeah. one. Yeah, so so yeah, there's definitely things like that. But so getting back to this dragon, um, just just kind of to close the loop on it a little bit, um. We don't know what it breathes. Hot I mean, blue I mean, fire. Hot blue fire, cold blue fire, magic blue energy. fire. I'll go magic energy, blue fire. Magic, be- magic energy. energy beam is what Magic energy beam. I said Mountain Dew Baja Blast. <laughs> Ma- Mountain in, Dew in Baja Blast. I like that. Blue eyes, white dragons, um, Pokemon. Some people have been pointing out, apparently in the book, they do reference the ice dragons and how they breathe like freezing cold, like uh, extreme cold that man has never seen before that freezes everything, blah, blah, blah. But, like, but as they pointed out, <laughs> as they pointed out, it's not really an ice dragon because in the books, when George R. R. Martin like refers to ice dragons, he's talking about real like like living ice dragons. Yeah, so not like, this undead. thing is not an undead fire. The real ice dragons, yeah. right? So it's like we don't know is the end result, and unfortunately, we have to wait till 2019 to find out, which is ridiculous. Um, but so anyway, moving. Anything else you guys want to talk about with that dragon scene? No, I just want to say it's annoying that they don't call them zombie there's no like word for them like the white walkers the night king the 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 undead army like yeah there's no more there's no name for the things anymore like is it a right a white is that what they're calling they just keep calling it the army of the dead yeah they call them whites the white walkers but the actual um, soldiers i don't know what they call them yeah whites whites are the zombie guys the white walkers are generals or whatever are the like got yeah like the guys that can turn people Oh, so like all those undead army soldiers like are not white walkers. Are, they're, they're, but they are whites. 
They're the whites. They're the yeah. whites. Okay, okay. Yeah. Which is annoying. And the walk, the white walkers are the. I just wish yeah, that okay. they're avoiding yeah. using the term zombie or like naming yeah. them something Z- specific. I don't yeah. mind them not using zombie. But I don't like, mind I, that I would either. like them to give them a name though. Yeah, I, I would just it rather be more clear. Clear. Yeah, because yeah. they just talk about the army of the dead as a yeah. whole, and like you got to try to talk about specifics. Yeah. Um. So anyway, speaking of the army of the dead, let's bring it back to the other major scene, which is like another one of the kind of climactic scenes of the series so far. Please which is tell when, me. Which is when all of the characters meet, you know, when uh, they've been away in all these different worlds. I literally thought you were going to use the term oh. the most climactic scene for <laughs> Jon Snow and Danny Oh, Hanning's yeah, I could have done that. I could have done that. And I'd be like, wow, that's savage. I done that. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I should have done that, actually, yeah. but I didn't. So we'll talk about that afterwards. But so when they're all in the, we're all in that uh, the pit, basically, this is the first time these characters are meeting like centrally throughout seven seasons. Um what did you guys think of the dynamic in it? And basically then when they unleash the army of the, the white, uh, I, on them. so I, I was a big cr- critic of this season in terms of the writing and the storylines mm-hmm. just being weird and the characters acting weird. Mm-hmm. I thought the writing in this one or every scene was so perfect. Yeah. Like it felt like old game of Thrones. Yeah. Like this, when, yep. when, uh, the hound walks up to that guy and says something and yeah. then, um, Euron Greyjoy stands up out of turn and says something. It just like it, it felt like the old crew was back. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't there know. Were a I, lot of I, re, uh, reunions in there too. Like Bronn reunites with Tyrion. Yeah. Like they're all like they're all revisiting Brienne of Tarth meets the Hound again. Like all these people who last saw each other very contentiously. I think what this season lost a bit of is like the actual character interactions. Like there's so much action crammed yeah. into this season. Yeah. Like the best parts for me so far have been. When the squad, the the Suicide Squad goes north, that like 15 minutes of them just talking, going up yeah. to yeah. fight. Because like, these are cool characters finally getting to interact. Yeah. Let's see what they yep. would talk about and do together. Yeah. And same thing with this pit. So yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Rob, what'd you think? Uh, to Steve's point, I think that like, that's always been the strength of Thrones. Just like, they, better than any other show I've ever watched, but like two people in a room talking. Yes. Yeah. Or like in the case of dragon pit multiple people but that's like always been the strength and like watching these characters wrestle with hard decisions and there's no there's a lot of gray area it's like you know it's like real life like there's no clean cut like right answer or wrong answer a lot of the time and it's always been the strength of i think what the show does best so it's kind of cool to see that come on a bigger scale and have them the dragon pit um i love how daenerys shows up late (laughs) Because Cersei thought she was, like, big-timing them by showing up late. Yeah. And just, like, I just love the, like, just love that little piece. I thought we were going to get Clegane Bowl, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I'm disappointed we didn't get it. I wanted it so badly. We're definitely going to get it, though. Yeah. I know, but I was I was so hyped for it. Yeah. it's. I, I mean, they set, they set it up for that, which they is did. good. They At did. least yeah. at least now you know it absolutely will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I. I need I need it. So, and I I also loved the interaction between um, the Hound and Brienne talking about Arya and how they just like both like have such a soft spot for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was great. Um, so so yeah, so again, that scene kind of brings everyone together who have been apart for many seasons. Um, bringing it back over. Speaking of two of those things, Arya and being able to carry a scene with dialogue. Yes. Uh, leading up to something, obviously in this case, but the scene with with Littlefinger called in by or well aria called in by sansa and then it flipping instantly on littlefinger was like you know we talk about game of thrones sometimes 
after it outpaced the books, was losing some of its surprise factor at times. I mean, no one. I, I'm like, so surprised that they can still come up with ways for me to be like, oh, shoot. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. They can still <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah. Because, like, there's so for many For ways for you theories. to, like, yeah. pound your fist and clap and be like, let's go. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Yeah. What, yeah. So it, it, it creates a, uh, a true, like, visceral reaction. You're like, whoa, cool. Like, yeah. I love that. Um, no, I love that, too. I think the, the key is this awkward, terrible interactions that have happened up to this. Make so that, bad. Ma- so bad, but they make that scene yeah. good. Excellent. Like, yeah. the, the fact that Ari and Sansa are so weird now. You're like, what the hell? Like, she, she's not going to kill her now. Like, yeah. it's so weird. She can't yeah. kill her. Yeah. And then, boom. You literally, like, I mean, given everything that happens, all those interactions we talked about, how we were like, this stinks. Like, Arya's weird now. Like, Sansa's like, you know, Sansa actually was being a little more normal. And then Arya's like, not believing her and like, all this stuff. And, it bugged you for a while, but it makes it unbelievable that that's going to flip suddenly on Littlefinger, who, yeah. like, you have no indication that Sansa's been onto him about it. Yeah, and now they're know? all fine again. Yeah. And th- those, like, five interactions with those two are all yeah. just for that scene. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I loved it. I mean, yeah. Someone Truth had to go, and, yeah. and there hasn't been a lot of major character deaths, yeah. and that was a good one. Yeah. Two things for me, though. One, if Brad could see everything. <laughs> Why didn't he just like come back and be like, "Yo, Littlefinger's really like messed up. Like he <laughs> yeah. did some bad stuff, you guys." Yeah, and they could have just like been like, "Wow, Baelish, you did all this really bad stuff. Like yeah. we're gonna execute you so, now." Brand- Instead of like playing out this weird, yeah. like drawn out, like farce. And I also just thought like the end definitely redeems it in some ways. But just like you guys said, the interactions between them were at times so tough. Yeah. And it was like they were were they pretend like why were they pretending like see they weren't pretending the whole time I don't think like like that, you don't that's, think so I don't like well not like remember when Arya's like that weird scene where Arya's talking about like how she all she needs is Sansa's face yeah how, mm-hmm. like there's no reason that would be pretend there was no one else there there's no one else watching yeah like like that's another thing with Game of Thrones like if you're gonna tell me that was that was pretend I don't believe like it doesn't make sense there was no one else there so like there's things like that that you're right that like. Some of it feels like it might have been cheap just to build up that emotion when it actually yeah. isn't really plausible, you know? Yeah. So wh- one of my friends said this today when we were talking about Game of Thrones, but uh, to Bran- to the point about Bran, he, A, is the most useless piece of garbage <laughs> yeah. on the show, and God. they need to find a way to weaponize him. Yeah. Like, they need to – like, Sam walks in and says, oh, I know something. Can you see that? And, he, and Bran's like, like, oh, let me check. sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see <laughs> yeah. It. yeah, perfect. Yeah. Like – Oh, they God, just need to so, point. They need to point him at so, stuff and have him look at it. Yeah, <laughs> We've talked about Bran being a pain in the ass this whole season, and like how he's been annoying and weird, and, and just like, oh so yeah, weird. like <laughs> I don't have time to be Bran anymore. But he's the, the great. He's, he's becoming great weird because everything he says is <laughs> so ridiculous, ridiculous like, that you like laugh out loud. I burst out laughing like when Sam Tarly walks in. And he goes, Sam goes, you remember me? And Bran goes, I remember everything. Yeah, I like, remember everything. You're like, we get it, dude. We get it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm the three-eyed raven now. Sam's like, what? And then he's like, he's like, I don't know. I can't explain it. The three-eyed raven told me. Like, it's like yeah. Bran, but, Bran, but, Bran is truly becoming a a wildly, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like a, wild, a wildly big waste of energy yeah, yeah. well so underutilized underutilized for sure like <laughs> all they use it for is like a night king radar and yeah. occasional wikipedia <laughs> yeah. 
like true. so i mean we talked about brand being ridiculously annoying and then in this in this episode finally somewhat good like like so for like kind of what rob was saying how brand should have just come back and been like yo little fingers done this this and this like why don't we kill him brand essentially did like kind of do that just too late and like yeah. but brand clearly was a key factor in them establishing all of that because he yeah. knew that little finger had killed their father and like all this stuff um and so or and like and betrayed their whole family so um the the turn of events there i'm like oh wow brand's gonna start being useful again right yeah and then sam walks in and they're there and during the time that cersei has decided to betray her truce and an ice dragon has decided to tear down the wall brand chooses that his big revelation is going to be Jon snow's name yeah Jon snow's real name i got this is what i got to tell you not that there's a dragon who just broke down the wall and now the army of the dead's coming into westeros or that cersei has actually uh betrayed Jon snow and danny on their truce and she's not marching with them. I'm not going to tell you that stuff. I'm going to tell you what Jon Snow's real name is. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's kind of annoying. Granted, it, it is impactful. Like we talked about before, that he's the he's the rightful heir to I'm the throne. I'm glad that but... they just said it straight up. Yeah. Because it's been the fan theory for a long time. <laughs> and, and I'm glad they didn't try to drop it like a bomb. Yeah. Like, like they knew the fans knew. Yeah. So they were just like, you could kind of see it coming right away as soon as he started talking about it. You're like, okay, they're doing this. Yeah. Like, but I'm glad that they just revealed it. Like, oh, yes. And by the way. Yeah. Boom. In the creepiest way possible. Yeah. And yes. they do so it, that's, so that leads us to the last so part. So uncomfortable. Wait, real quick on the name thing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny to me, though, that this is like, I know Booker used to out very early, but this was like the big plot reveal of the book, right? Like, you know, book of all these twists and turns and the red wedding and all this other stuff where like anything could happen this was like the ultimate reveal and it like took them so long to like drag out like in the show it took them like two seasons to finally yeah. get it out yeah. so they the tower of joy scene and they've like hinted at it and now they have finally like this reveal and it like doesn't change any of the plot no like yeah. I guess like it will like it will in some ways because John and Danny will have to make like some really hard choices. Like yeah. do they keep but having like, sex even though they're related? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, do they keep do they keep having sex? Uh is Danny gonna be pissed? John has a better claim to the throne. Uh like things like that. Like it's gonna be tough. Like I don't know, you look at John and sixteen times this episode, he reminds us how he doesn't break his vows. Yeah. So you easily could see John just being like well, I bent my I bet my knee to you, so you're my queen, so this doesn't change anything. I, I think I could easily see that happening. And then it's like you have this giant reveal that was like the cornerstone of the book and like this twist George R. R. Martin has had for decades and it just <laughs> happens and you're like, Yeah. So is that dragon breathing ice or fire? Yeah. What is that about? <laughs> yeah. So it's true. true. It's true. I mean it's true. And like like you said, like I totally see this especially because they've built up how john a like is gonna tell the truth all the time and he's gonna be a loyal foot soldier and he's gonna he, he's he's he will not do anything to break his his pledge to daenerys because like he literally just had to tell one little lie and that would have all worked but he couldn't he couldn't even pretend like he was gonna obey another queen and now we're supposed to believe that this reveal is gonna make him change yeah. especially now that he's also in love with her too that he's now gonna be like hey danny screw you well, i'm i'm the king like did, that's not gonna happen did they um... So why would they – because the fans have been rooting for this hookup for a long time, and they really just made you feel dumb about it. you feel it. terrible about because it. Because as they're doing it, they're, he's revealing that they're related, and you're like – Not even reminding you that they're related. Yeah. Because pretty much everybody had known Yeah, so known you just kind of pushed it out of your mind. You're like, you know Whatever. what? Just let Whatever. it happen. Just We're let it, all they're in. They're a great couple. Beautiful love story. And then the show's writers are like, 
Oh yeah, we we're, just, it's gonna happen, but we're just gonna remind sure you, you how guys weird. Remember, it is. yeah. So I mean, it has to happen, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't like the reveal. I, I didn't. We don't need the brand voiceover literally <laughs> saying like they're they're like she's his aunt or whatever. I think he, he literally said. said like she like Daenerys is John's aunt. Like <laughs> he said that. <laughs> like as they're literally having sex on the screen. Yeah, he says that. It's like you. I, yeah, I it's... cannot have been any more uncomfortable in that moment. I thought no scene this season would make me more uncomfortable than the Grey Worm thing. Oh yeah, and that that scene with the voiceover just top like topped. That. I was and, like, Ugh. and the worst part about it is that it was like leading up to one of the probably is was definitely the most anticipated love interest like hookup of the show. Like in TV yeah. history. It, yeah. Like, no, like... <laughs> we just watched Jim and Pam on The Office before this, but they're a close number two. Yeah. No, but but seriously, like on this show, that is like there's there's a lot of of love interest, love and sexual interest in this show, and that was the singular biggest, most anticipated one, and like they made it completely weird. Yeah. And like was the biggest. It, it makes me, <laughs> it makes me wonder if if they sort of realize kind of what Rob just said about how this big reveal of George R. R. Martin kind of is not impacting the show's storyline at all. Like it's not going to impact. It makes me wonder if they tried to make it this scene weird and strange to like bury that and be like, boom, here you go. Like here's this wave of awkward, like as here's what you yeah. wanted. And then here's all the awkward stuff. And like, let's move they, on. They really did change the show after once it, it sped past the books, change it for TV. Yeah. Cause now all that really matters is like, really cool actions like yeah. things that like people doing things rather yeah. than like the scheming and yeah. the politics the and the yeah and the, or like the lineage lineage reveal like things like that yeah that are mm-hmm. more apt to like intense meticulous book reading yeah now it's more yeah. just like how, how do we keep people entertained for an hour every sunday yeah and it's just yeah. by throwing a yeah. bunch of different dragons <laughs> quickly yeah. two things on that point one if you watch the like after the show thing um that comes on afterwards like usually like five ten minutes where like the directors will talk about um like like plot points like how they filmed something or whatever yeah um it seems like now like steve's saying that they've outpaced the books they basically have these like end points they have to get to Mm -hmm. so like how does how do the white walkers end up with a dragon or like how does this thing happen? Or like, how do they get Littlefinger? And they write backwards from there, yeah. which yeah. is the opposite of how it should be. Like you ha- should have these fleshed out characters and they have all these motivations yeah. and that's what drives the plot forward. So I think as you've outpaced the book and they've lost the framework that they used to have, it's become a lot more, we need to get to points C and D so we have to go through A to B to get there, and that's led to some like I, awkward kind of stuff. And that's to your earlier point, Derek, that it seems like things are just happening it's kind of randomly, like, like like Gilly finding that thing in the book. Exa- randomly. How like, also, just, how are we going to reveal that John's parents are are uh, Rhaegar, Rhaegar Targaryen and, and Lyanna Stark? How are we going to do that? Like, okay, Gilly's going to practice reading and accidentally read that from a book. Like, yeah. is, is that like is that what George R. R. Martin would have done? No, like no. Yeah. no. I, I mean, how are we going to get? The White Walkers to get a dragon. We're gonna have Jon Snow be ready to get on the dragon, but decide he's gonna go kill eight more whites before he gets on the dragon, yeah. and just delay them long enough. So, like, there, there's these TV moves that clearly happened. You know, you can't really blame them for it because they 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 outpaced the book. Like, the alternative would be they sit there and they wait three years in between seasons, and all their characters age, and nobody, you know, it doesn't work. You know, so. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, by the way, the 
one of the re- I, I read that the reason they're waiting till 2019 for the last season is to let George R. R. Martin finish one more book. Oh, stupid! Which, which is Dude, ridiculous. They, and could, true. they could give him told BC wins a national championship. <laughs> he won't finish the book. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's just what I read. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, certainly if he doesn't finish it, they're not going to wait longer than that. But he, I, I read that they're going to wait an extra like you know half a year. It's like a year and a half, I think, that it's coming back out. They said. Um, because they're going to try to let him finish one more book so that they have at least that much more guidance. But I, I don't know. I mean, they've already outpaced it, so I, I it think, seems silly. I think that ship has sailed. There's yeah. the books are, the books are irrelevant yeah. now. Okay. Last topic, um, or last la- last closing thoughts on this whole John and Danny thing, because it is a massive uh, plot point. So uh, we were talking a little bit off air before uh, the show. You, Steve, mentioned that you think that it, this all this kind of feels like one of them is not going to make it to the end. Oh, yeah. Is that how you feel? I feel like that because the central theme of the show to begin with mm-hmm. was how terrible it was that um, Cersei and Jamie were canoodling and yeah. they were brother and sister. They yeah. were family. It literally was the whole story yeah. Yeah. for the first few years. Yeah. Now we're supposed to root for the same thing yeah. with the two main characters on the side of good. Yeah. And I don't think they'll let that actually be. Yeah. Like, like, oh, look, all of this started because brother and sister were having sex. Yeah. And, but the, uh, an <laughs> aunt and a, and a <laughs> nephew <laughs> are totally fine to do yeah. it now that you like them. Yeah. So, so I, they're, they're, I agree with that. The one thing I will say that they, where they do have the ability to still draw that line between good and evil or good. Morality wise, good and evil, um, is that like I mentioned this before, John and Danny don't know this yet, and I know it doesn't like make it any more comfortable for the viewer, but they don't know that they're aunt and nephew. So I'm interested to know that what happens when they get back and John finds out from Bran or you know how or however Bran relays this message that he that Daenerys is his aunt, how they react to that, you know, because we don't know how to react because we're just like sitting here rooting for it and then it happens and it's like oh whatever, but like when they find out that they are related, what are they going to do? You know, that's a key part of whether you can still root for that or not. Yeah. Um, Rob, you have anything to add to that? No, it's funny. The only thing is it's funny because it used to be like, you'd run into people to watch the show. You'd be like, oh, you watch Game of Thrones? You'd be like, no, that's that incest show, right? <laughs> yeah. And then we, then we kind of became, oh, it's that dragon show. <laughs> Because we got away from the incest for a while. Yeah. But now we're just that incest now show. Now we're right back to the incest <laughs> yeah. show. Um, uh, and Cersei looks like she's going <laughs> to have uh, Jamie killed. So there's only going to be one incest left. Um, yeah. But uh, so anyway, the the last thing I'll add about John Danny, um, there, one of the popular theories I would say, which I sort of believe based on the cues that were given to us, is that um, Danny, is, Danny and John are going to have a child. Um, I know that the, that the story is that Danny can't have children besides her dragons but there have been some references to that now throughout this season danny not being able to have children she's mentioned it a few times then in this episode they have a conversation about it they you know danny says to john you know it's all in a a story of danny standing in that pit and saying this is where my family came to downfall last time and john's like well you're still here and she's like i'm the last one and you know she says that she can't have children and john is is probing asking how you know that and she says, well, the witch told me, like, when I had the dragons, like, the witch said I'll never have yeah. ch- other oh, children. He's, he's probing all right. And, yeah, he's probing all right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but, but so in response to Danny saying that, John says, well, have you ever considered that maybe she was not a reliable source or you're something along those lines? And, like, they're alluding to this that, hey, maybe Danny can have children. And then they end the episode with them obviously having sex. So <laughs> I, think that, I, I think that they're going to have a child together, and it's going to be obviously a hugely important um, child. <laughs> like, I don't know if the show will see that child 
be a character and I'll probably not, but, um, it's going to be some relevance to the iron throne. So, um, that's my last thought, leaving that relationship moving into the season, season eight, I guess. Um, but we got any, any other thoughts on that? I don't know. I mean, I think as a season, it, it ended so well that I can forget all the, the negative parts like that yeah. last episode I thought was one of, if not the best episodes of game of Thrones I agree. from beginning to end. Um, so I'm really happy. I'm very, very excited for the next season. Yeah, yeah, sure. and no cliffhangers. Which right, which is great. Yeah. Which is great. The only the really that's the exactly the type of season ending, uh, the ending to the season that I want is like a huge event, and now there's not a cliffhanger. There's just like a okay, let's go. Like the army of the dead just got into mm-hmm. Westeros, and there's a lot of setup, but it's not something that I'm. Aside from knowing what that dragon, the dragon breathes. Aside from that, there's yeah. nothing I'm like sitting here like what what is it? What is it? What is it? That's you know, leading into next season. Yeah, so. Rob, final thoughts? Nope. Nothing, nothing else for me. So that wraps up Game of Thrones for the entire season, season seven. So it's going to be a long time before we talk again about Game of Thrones. Yeah. So, um, 2019. See you wow. then. See you then. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That's it. That's it. Brings that's it us, for episode number 76. It. Brings us. No, we got the final drive. Well, still. we got the final drive. Final drive but but. Should we, Rob, do you have a final drive or something quick to say before you pop off? Go Eagles. Go <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> Bye. All righty. See you, Rob. <laughs> Bye, Rob. <laughs> uh, uh, all righty. So uh, that brings us to the final drive. We'll go quick. This was a long episode, but I think we had uh, justified segments sure, to talk about. For so, sure. You want to go first or you want to go second? first. First, go. Uh, last weekend was MLB Players Weekend, so they got to wear some extra swag. They got to wear new jerseys, and they got to put nicknames on the back of the jerseys in the MLB. Uh, very successful. ESPN went a little overboard by calling people their names and pretending they were different players, like actually new players, which was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, I really think that that should be an annual tradition. I like that baseball's always been a pretty stuffy old sport, um, and now at least giving them one week in a year to express themselves, and maybe next year there'll be cooler bats or maybe cooler cleats or like whatever. Like it'll keep um, advancing until it's a really, really fun weekend for all of the people playing and all the fans um, but this year inaugural uh, players weekend a lot of nicknames a lot of fun times a lot of gts i think uh, Good activity. yeah i'm in in, <laughs> on, in in on players weekend players weekend 2017 i'm also in except uh, i'm disappointed mookie Betts for making his nickname mookie because um, that's his name uh so my final drive is a golf course review went golfing uh north shore this weekend peabody massachusetts course called the meadow um Nice course. It's uh, so a little bit of a unique course. It's pretty short. Um, one thing that I experienced here was that the whites and the blues were a huge difference. Like blues were basically like championship level way back from white from the white uh, tees. So uh, if you ever do go there, you gotta you gotta decide because there's a big difference between like literally a, a cart driving distance between white and blue around like trees and patches of, of bushes and things like that. Um, pretty narrow course you, you might lose a lot of golf balls if you don't know what you're getting into with some of the holes a lot of blind areas a lot of little hazards that you don't really know are coming um but i will say about this course is that i'm interested to go back there because it's one that i could see in the fall time being a gorgeous place to play like there's a lot of trees how much was it uh it was actually kind of expensive it was about i think with a card it was in the 60s it was in the 60s for 18 in a card although we went at noon so it was like right in the middle of the day which is more expensive usually um Another thing about this course is you actually can play nine, um, which is a lot of courses stop doing nine-hole rates. So, like, you could go in there for a quick nine in the morning if you wanted to or something like that. 
Um, so it's interesting, but yeah, a lot of, uh, it's called the meadow, rightfully so. There's a lot of like low meadow type of areas that are hazards, but like they're not full woods areas. Good. Um, you lose a lot of balls, but you find a ton of balls <laughs> as well because there's a lot of those type of areas. Good. Um, so it's an interesting course. Uh, it's a little on the pricey side, but I would recommend trying it out if you uh, are looking for one a little bit north of Boston. It was about 40 minutes north. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to probably go back there at some point in the fall and see if it's uh, very picturesque because it felt like it would be. Lots of uh, lots of foliage and trees like in, surrounding a lot of the holes to make a. And, kind and of you'll a get to wear pants playing golf. And get to wear favorite. pants, which is my thing, you know. So, so that's it. That's it. Episode that's it. 76 Episode in the books. Episode 76 it's a long in the books. One. It's a long one. It's a long one. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Alrighty. See you guys All next right, week. Episode days. 77.